You're listening to the Sexual Wellness Sessions with Kate Moyle. So this week's episode of the Sexual Wellness Sessions, we have Zander and Angus from the amazing Mojo Men. So Mojo Men is a new platform connecting men with professional help they need to get it up. I have met these guys and talked to them a lot about what they're doing and it comes from a really amazing place of not being able to get the help that they needed and making sure that other men don't experience that. So guys, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kate. Um, how are you guys doing? Uh, we're very well, thank you. Quite excited that you've asked us on. Thank you very much. No, I love what you guys are doing, as you well know. And um, I think... Really, I would love to start um, this episode of the Sexual Wellness Sessions by you guys telling people a bit about what encouraged you to start Mojo Men. I guess it's a platform that hasn't really existed before and it's brand new um, and really exciting. For me, as a professional, I think it's incredible and very needed. But I guess I would love um, you guys to tell people on a personal level, kind of what what's kicked it all off? Um, well, I guess we first had the idea for Mojo Men um, kind of 18 months ago now. Um, and neither of us are really sure how it came about because we don't know why the conversation uh, started in the first place. Um, but we were basically driving to Xander's uh, parents to have lunch. Um, we're cousins, so that's my aunt and uncle. Um, and for some reason, unbeknown to me even even now, um, I started telling him that for the previous kind of six months or so, um, I'd had a pretty tough time and had actually been quite frightened by the effect not being able to get it up had uh, had on me. Um, I said this all while looking out the car window, pretending um, that he wasn't there. And kind of when I finished, there was just a a really cold and stony silence from the driver's seat, which uh, made, <laughs> made me wish I hadn't even begun talking about it. But actually, I think it resonated. Yeah, that, that's right. I think, um, you know, Angus was there opening up to me. And at this point in time, I'd had issues getting erections probably for nearly 10 years and never spoken to anyone about it. And I thought, oh gosh, am I, is, is this the moment where I have to open up about it? And I wasn't sure whether this, you know, was a sort of safe enough space. And I just thought, you know what, I'll just do it. I'll, I'll admit to having, you know, not been able to get it up. And I, and I you know, I told my cousin, I told, told Angus this, um, and he said it so casually, it almost made me feel stupid for having been so ner- nervous in the first place. I thought, oh, maybe everyone does speak about this and it's just me who's thought I was alone and isolated. <laughs> I always think it's interesting how many of those conversations happen in the car because um, it's we tend to open up when we're not facing someone, when we're not kind of making direct eye contact with them. And I speak to loads of parents who do their sex education chats in the car, A, because they're like my child can't escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but B, um, <laughs> but B because you're not because you're not kind of making direct eye contact with someone. In a way, it helps you to open up a bit more. But I know I have worked with so many people who have finally kind of plucked up the courage to talk to a friend um, or a family member about what's going on, and almost always the reaction is, 
oh, well, I was struggling with that or I've had something similar or I didn't have that, but I had something else or, yeah, a really good friend of mine is struggling with that. And I think that isolation, um, that sense of kind of being on our own in our experience completely compounds it and makes it a hundred times worse. Yeah, definitely. And I I think it was an unusual conversation for Zandis and I to have because... Um, we're close, but that wouldn't have been... It didn't feel normal for us to be talking about uh, things going badly in the bedroom. Um, but yeah, I, I think as well that the, the timing of it for us was quite important because that conversation alone probably um, would have passed us by and it would have been a sense of nice camaraderie in, in our struggles. But actually it happened um, kind of late 2018, it would have been. Um, and that was just when kind of Vagra has had become a non-prescription and you were starting to see these uh, new brands popping up and uh, marketing directly to to young men, which I think had never really been done before. Um, Zander's is pretty good on his social media uh, intake, keep it down, but I was certainly being bombarded by um, Instagram campaigns and uh, Facebook messaging telling me that suddenly taking Viagra as a young man was was normal and, and possibly the answer that I should have been looking for. And that's one of the things that you guys are trying to do with Mojo Men is to connect men. You know, I think something that we talked about a lot was this idea that, you know, this is not just an older man's problem anymore, that certainly a lot of the people that I'm working with are in their 20s and 30s and struggling with this. But you guys are trying to help people in a non-medicalized way by changing the conversation, connecting people, educating, connecting with professionals, trying to encourage people not to just immediately jump to the medical assistance, but to see if there's another way of solving the problem. That, yeah, that's right. Um, I think you know, so much can be done to help guys um, you know, who, who are in the situation that you know, we've been in uh, you know, without having to immediately reach for um, blue pills or, you know, Viagra. Um, and, you know, in, in many cases, Viagra can actually have a detrimental uh, effect on guys who are, you know, kind of seeking help for erection issues. Um, so we're, we're really just sort of trying to uh, be the kind of the first place that guys go to when they, you know, they have this issue. Um we just, you know, we don't think it's right that people immediately start trying to medicate. We think that's kind of a, a it can be a dangerous route to go down. Mm. And I suppose what you say is for some guys, it's not always positive. That's because we know that, for example, people who are highly anxious, that these medications don't necessarily always work for. And I think one of the big misconceptions that I find myself talking to people a lot about is it's not an aphrodisiac. You know, Viagra won't turn you on. But what it does is it helps to sustain an erection or stop you from losing an erection. But if you're really highly anxious, you know, that medication and your body are kind of working against each other. But that can be even more damaging to self-esteem or performance anxiety if you use something like a medication as a backup and it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I've, I've put myself in... Um in that boat of, you know, anxious people. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of, I think, you know, most of us are anxious these days at, you know, some point or another. Um, and yeah, you know, and I've, I've at points tried to use 
um, erection medication like Viagra and found, yeah, if, if anything, it probably has in, you know, increased my level of anxiety and, and you, know, cert, you know, certainly not helped me kind of move to, you know, towards my goal of, you know, kind of getting natural erections or having meaningful sex. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly something, you know, I can... Yeah. resonate with. And, and actually, um, I think right from the outset, we've tried to do as much uh, user research as possible and just speak to as many uh, men as we can to find out what their experience is. And it's amazingly, uh, or it's amazing how instinctively men know about Viagra dependency, this kind of idea that um, by taking Viagra on a regular basis, you start to believe that you need it. So you, you do become dependent on the drug. Um, and it's been amazing to us that that is something that just instinctively people know, not having read about it, but they they feel that or they worry that they're going to start to need this and it's going to become a, a more permanent part of their life than, than they would have liked. Um, I certainly remember I tried um, Viagra uh, at certain times and I couldn't get away from the thought that uh, I was using that kind of chemical help and um, it, it, it was still kind of hurting that, or in your mind that this wasn't real and that you needed help and that was a real knock to um, your confidence anyway. It's the, it's the feeling of, of needing a, a crutch. It's, it's, it's far nicer to be able to, I guess, you know, to walk without one. And so that's what we want to help guys uh, with is kind of, be able to have erections without the need for a crutch like Viagra. And I think that what I really like about what you're saying is that you're trying to, I suppose, highlight and educate people about the fact that they don't have to lean on medicine to find a solution. And actually this idea or this kind of fear about dependence, you know, a lot of these guys might be in their 20s and their 30s and they're kind of looking ahead and they don't want an entire life of being dependent on these medications. But the thing that I think um, lots of men experience, and you know what we're not doing here is Viagra bashing for lots of people. Viagra Cialis are brilliant and they are sol the solution. Um, but I think what lots of people experience is a reliance on the medication, not just from a medical perspective, but a psychological perspective. And so then if they try to have sex without it, they feel like their safety net is taken away. And actually that anxiety, as we all well know, is enough for them to not be able to achieve the erections they want or to be able to, to have the sex life that they want. Yeah, absolutely. And, th and I think you just said it, we don't want to fall into the hole of being seen as... Um, uh, two blokes who just want to bash Viagra and say that it's it's the devil because it's absolutely not and it's a, a very useful tool for um, men who have uh, physical and psychological issues. Um, it's just it's got to be used in in the right way. Mm. Um, for for physical issues, you'll you'll find there's there's plenty of conditions that young men will have which will lead to erection issues, um, which uh, we try and make sure we equally educate people about through um, bringing kind of urologists and doctors onto the platform. Um, and equally on the psychogenic causes, um, uh, Viagra can be very useful in, in curing or helping with um, conditions like performance anxiety. 
um, they can they can actually help kind of build that initial confidence up that you need to to overcome some of these um, psychological blocks that might be causing causing your problems. Um, so we're certainly not here saying that um, Viagra is uh, a, a bad drug to be avoided at all costs. Um, it's certainly not. It just has to be uh, used appropriately, and um, we, we think that some of the marketing going on around around these erection medications at the moment isn't promoting that sensible use. And I suppose what we're talking about here is informed decision-making and informed choices. So what you guys are trying to achieve is, you know, medication is one option, kind of psychological work or intervention is another, the physical exercises are another. And so basically presenting people with all the options and then they can make their own choices about how they would like to pursue or whether they'd like to kind of use two of those together or even just a conversation like you guys had could for some people be the change factor in, you know, their sex life. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we've absolutely loved dealing with the different professionals um, that we have on the platform. We've kind of gathered them from uh, medical, psychological and wellness backgrounds. um, And all of them are completely fascinating and have taught us something new about um, uh, erection issues, and they all bring a different style of of dealing with it to the platform. Um, but we have found that they rarely speak to each other. Um, there hasn't, we don't feel, been a platform that has kind of combined this knowledge and put it in one place. Um, so that's kind of what we're hoping to to achieve with with Mojo Men. Okay, great. And I guess, you know, what we um, have been talking about is there is no kind of clear big study that has a statistic that says this is the percentage of men um, that experience these problems. But um, I've seen research that says that more than 66% of men in the UK have experienced um, ED, erectile dysfunction, but that could be across the lifespan. And I guess for me, um, as a therapist, actually a lot of, I think, the, the point that I want to kind of talk about is it is more normal to expect it to happen at some point across your entire sexually active life um, lifespan for something to not work perfectly than it to work perfectly every single time. And that is the same with all other aspects of health and well-being. We have good days, bad days, days where we can't explain what's going on, days when things just don't work, days when we're knackered, days when we're stressed. And to expect that not to impact our sex life in one way or another at some point feels, to me at least, stranger than expecting our, our sex life to be kind of perfectly protected from everything else that we have going on. But I know that you guys think that this statistic is, you know, 30% of under 30s you think are experiencing difficulties with erections, challenges with erections. But the causes of this are across the board. You know, we know that in all men that there are organic dysfunctions. So particularly in older men, we see conditions like diabetes really impacting erectile dysfunction, cardiovascular problems. Um, We know that smoking, kind of being overweight, having high blood pressure are things that might impact. There are also people who have injuries or there might be conditions like Peyronie's disease, which are quite rare, but are things that affect people. But also the psychological aspect that can interfere being stress, anxiety. Um, We mentioned performance anxiety, which we will go into a bit more. And so 
it isn't just straightforward. You know, there is a lot going on around our sex lives and it all sits in the context of sex being slightly uncomfortable or taboo or embarrassing. And so I guess it's important for people to realise that it might not just be one straightforward reason for why they might be struggling a bit. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think, um, you know, to say, um, well, erectile dysfunction or it is a disease or to or to not be able to get it up is the problem is perhaps um you know a misnomer it's actually it's more a symptom of something else that's uh, going on under the hood and as you say that you know that could be something um psychological it could be anxiety related it could be depression um it could be caused by stress or you know it could be something physical um so we yeah we really want to kind of help people get to the root of the problem um, and, you know, kind of treat the underlying thing. That's kind of what we're going mm. for. Um, I think it was interesting what you just said um, about kind of going a lifetime um, of having sex and expecting everything to work perfectly. Um, I think myself and Zander's experiences of erection issues were quite different, um, but I didn't have a problem until I was kind of 27 um, and had never given it a second thought as something you expect to work and be on demand whenever... Um, whenever you need it. And suddenly when there is this problem, it almost feels like there's a disconnection between you and your penis, which is a really strange and bizarre um, relationship to have with any part of your body. And I think it's probably the one part of your body that you can feel totally disconnected from and completely out of control of. Um, So yes, it's a very complicated piece of apparatus that (laughs) that, that just isn't to do with... um, blood flowing in certain places, muscles contracting, and, and there you go. It, it is totally driven by um, the biggest sexual organ in, in the body, which is actually your brain. Mm. And I, I always talk to people about that, but also, you know, that I think the irony of some of the medications that we take for, for example, anxiety and depression, you know, one of the, the biggest side effects of those medications is impact on sexual functioning and impact on... Uh, libido or sex drive and so it's it's not just um okay this is how I'm feeling it might be this is how I'm being treated um there are kind of a lot of reported side effects of certain medications like hair loss medications which aren't really necessarily talked about um it might be that someone has had you know a sporting injury or pelvic pain or and I think what's really important for people to realize is if something isn't working, it's not also necessarily always that the problem is rooted in sex, but the problem could be outside of it. So for example, someone might um, have missed out on a job opportunity that they really wanted and felt that their confidence had been knocked or, um, and then kind of they can't get out of their head when they get home and their kind of partner is interested in having sex or they try and have sex and because they're struggling to escape from their thoughts about not feeling good enough or wondering about why they didn't get the job or why you know the other person did that distraction alone and you know not kind of positively encouraging thoughts can be enough to kind of knock them out of that sexual headspace or interrupt arousal and that could be for example the first time it happens and that compounds that lack of confidence so already they're feeling a bit insecure because of what's happened at work and now that's followed them into the bedroom and I think that it's really important that people know that outside stresses the context of what's going on in the rest of our life can really impact 
you know, inside the bedroom as well. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You kind of have this idea that um, psychological problems can't manifest themselves um, physically, but I, I think we're seeing it in research now that um, stress and high cortisol levels and things throughout your life uh, do lead to high rates of cancer and things. So it, it's obvious that, or it should be obvious that um, stress can can affect bodily functions like erections as well. But it, it is sometimes quite hard to to imagine that uh, things failing physically are caused by the way you're feeling or your emotions. Mm. And I guess one of the things that I think is really important for us to also discuss is that lots of men then report feeling even worse about what they're struggling with because they start to experience lack of wanting sex or what we talk about as lack of desire. So, or a a drop in sex drive or libido, you know, whatever phrase you want to use for it. And so they start to kind of internalize that as well. But actually the way that I would reframe that is that why would you want to go towards something that doesn't feel positive and isn't positively reinforcing and isn't encouraging, isn't pleasurable, isn't enjoyable? It it just doesn't make any sense. But when it comes to sex, we kind of think that we should always be turned on and always be responsive and always wanting to do that. But sex becomes reframed. And so lots of men report when they're struggling with, say, erectile dysfunction or rapid ejaculation or lack of being able to orgasm, you know, just general difficulties with sex, that they start to experience not wanting sex as much, you know, whether that's either with a partner or on their own, but that that adds a completely, you know, different layer to what they're already experiencing. But for me as a, as a psychotherapist, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think I can resonate with that one. I remember my um, libido and sex drive definitely did go down, but there was something in me that felt I needed to prove myself. So I, it didn't stop me uh, going on dates or trying to have sex, but it was definitely that kind of needing to, to prove it to myself that it could work and did work. <laughs> mm, and I think that idea about trying to prove something to yourself, I think that that's where um, lots of people can get into the habit of using masturbation, for example, as a way of testing themselves and testing that everything's working. And when we are acutely stressed, that doesn't work. You know, that still brings about that stress impact, you know, that anxiety impact, that anxiety and arousal kind of clashing and it can mean that actually even being on your own, you start to struggle with sexual functioning as well. So I think there is that kind of backwards knock-on effect um, that lots of people see. And you know, I quite often talk to people about going to see their doctor for a checkup if they're experiencing this, things like noting if they have morning erections or erections when they wake up, but also lots of people, if they're, for example, experiencing high levels of stress, might see that that's slightly impacted or they're not sleeping as well, so that impacts things. So it isn't always a straightforward answer, but maybe about looking at the whole picture and thinking about what's going on in your life outside of sex and looking at how that is um, impacting just how you feel in general, because a lot of this is about confidence and self-confidence and sexual self-confidence. And if we're feeling good about ourselves in that more vulnerable or intimate space, which is sex, we can kind of carry that feeling through. But if we're not and we're feeling 
either insecure or um, more nervous or more anxious, actually that vulnerable, kind of intimate, quite exposed space is completely intensifies the negativity of what we're feeling. Absolutely right. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, I think, yeah, so, and, and as you, you, know, you talked about um, confidence and people feeling secure and and that's something we, you know, we really hope to build with Mojo Men is this uh, feeling of confidence and security uh, within a kind of a community of guys who have had, you know, the set, you know, all all shared the same issue. Um, at the moment, guys do not talk about it when they can't get it up, and we really want to break that taboo. We want to start people talking about it um, and we want to sort of try and create a platform for that so um, you know on our on our platform we have lots of guys uh, sharing their stories talking about it um, we recently actually just finished um, filming a load of content for our platform and even for me just over the few days of shooting I felt my confidence really boosted as I heard all these different guys share their experiences of not getting it up. And I felt, wow, this is just so normal. This, is, this happens to everyone. And that's, and that's exactly what we're sort of trying to you know, put to the world is, is make people feel secure and that this is normal and that's okay. Yeah, and even having uh, been working on this project for a year and a half, like Xander says, it still feels um, strange and awkward and embarrassing to talk about it. Um, <laughs> this is our first podcast that we're putting into the world. But um, yeah, I, th- I think we made a deal quite early on with each other that um, we were going to have to lead by example if if we were going to tell um, men that it was uh, okay and would be beneficial for them to uh, open up about their issue. Um, so I think the first week of the project, we decided that we were going to tell everyone we met for the, the next fortnight um, that A, we were... Uh, thinking of starting uh, Mojo Men and what it involved and B, that we'd started it because we ourselves had had erection issues. Um, I don't think we had noticed that we were both due uh, to go for dinner with six girls that night. Um, But we we got some funny looks um, and raised eyebrows. But actually, it was amazing to get the perspective from the girls' point of view suddenly we realized that um, I think a lot of men don't realize that their partner in the situation is is equally affected. So um, although we're starting Mojo Men, we're hoping to really uh, lift the lid on the experience as a whole for, for both people in the situation. And I think that's a really important um, side of it and something that I think is really key that we talk about because so often the representations we see in films and the media and, you know, um, that kind of movie example of someone struggling, you know, that, oh, it's not you, it's me. But then the guy kind of goes and he's like, oh, you yeah, know, I just wasn't into her. And actually, I think that so rarely that's actually the case. And it's really difficult because if that's the message that we see, lots of women if um, it, it's people kind of of different sexes having sex, um, are experiencing, like, internalising that as something that they've done. And 
quite often, if both parties just actually talked about it or the guy was able to say, do you know what, this just sometimes happens to me, um, uh, something I sometimes struggle with, especially, you know, it might be the first time I'm with someone or if I'm feeling a bit more nervous or if I've had a drink, or um, that it would clarify rather than um, both parties kind of making assumptions and going into their heads. But we don't teach people to say that. And lots of women, you know, there are plenty of kind of female sexual issues as well that women would love to communicate to men. But we don't have that conversation, which is just actually, guys, sometimes sex doesn't go perfectly. Sometimes our bodies don't always work the way we want them to. Sometimes our mind and our body isn't in sync. And if we were kind of enabling people to have more of those conversations, quite frankly, everyone would be left feeling a lot less shit. And so I think it's really great that you guys are kind of trying to also educate women on what they might be experiencing or what might be going on for their partners. Because if it's happening and they aren't able to talk about it, it feels really hard to open up that conversation. And most couples just avoid. And so what they tend to do is just kind of avoid the conversation completely or shut down anything that kind of happens with sex or physical intimacy like touch becomes a kind of bit of an alarm going off for this might lead to sex and so that also gets impacted and this is for people in the relationships whereas if both parties just understood that you know if you take the pressure off that things might work a bit better that if you both feel relaxed or that if you're able to understand what's going on for each other that actually that's probably one of the things that would be most helpful and most likely to get your sex life back up and running again so a lot of what we're talking about here is our expectations around sex and having realistic expectations. I mean, we all know so much of the sex we see in the media is totally unrealistic. And, mm. and perhaps, you know, more pertinently, that you know, the, the sex we see in porn is uh, very unrealistic. And I think that's, a, you know, a big part of what we want to help guys with is to regain realistic expectations of what sex is likely to be for them mm. and um you know and that's a broad spectrum you know it's, it's different for everyone but it's it's to try and sort of alleviate that pressure that sex has to be as you see in media or like in porn it's you know it just is not like that or is not necessarily like that um and just going back actually uh talking about kind of uh, the communication either beforehand um, before having sex and letting someone know that this might be an issue or whatever um, and how the girl could, or partner could or should respond. Um, we've found a broad spectrum of stories of how people do respond, but I think one of our favourites, um, actually, which we filmed an interview last week for um, and is on the platform, is uh, this guy um, called Luke and his girlfriend, uh, he says, has dealt with it by far and away the best he's ever experienced. And she kind of turns it into a game. Um, and she's kind of recognized and reminds him that it's not him versus her, it's both of them versus the problem. Mm. Um, so she turns it into this game of, oh, you don't think you can get hard today? Let's see. Let, let's have a little game. Let's let's play with this and, and see if we can make it work. Um, and I, th I we just thought that was brilliant. Such a, such a good approach. Well, I suppose what it does is it externalises the problem. So it's, you know, something that isn't 
completely rooted in him. And, you know, what we see a lot of the time is that couples can get stuck in patterns that are unhelpful. So, for example, um, that the pressure builds up and they're like, okay, it's been six weeks, we've got to try and have sex. You know, another problem with this being that all of the focus is around intercourse and penetrative sex. And then because they're both feeling so kind of tense and anxious or it tends to be more about this is something we have to do because it's what we think is expected of us as a couple, which again is another problem about this messages we get from society about what normal inverted commas is. But by the time it gets to that point, both people aren't in a relaxed, comfortable, sexually open, let's just see how it goes and have fun space. They're in a, we've got to get this job done because it's got to work. Otherwise, what else are we going to do? And that panic is not going to make either party really enjoy the experience. And the whole goal here is about fun, enjoyable, pleasurable experiences. And, but but as you said, you know, about expectations versus reality we get so tangled up in this idea about performance and got to be the best got to be a great sexual partner got to do it this way got to achieve x y and z and the complete irony being that all of that actually gets in the way of us just enjoying what we're doing and it sounds like what you were just saying is that a lot of couples when it doesn't work worry that it's a reflection on their relationship mm. um, and they don't think it could be an outside factor. They kind of put more weight on, well, something must be wrong with with us. Absolutely. I really hope that conversations like this help people think about things differently because the 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 difficulty of struggling with sex means that because we don't just kind of check in with each other and say, oh, you know, something's not quite working here. Like, what can we do to change that? Or would it help if we um, took a break from intercourse and penetrative sex and just focus on touching where there's no requirement for an erection? Would that be helpful for you? Or what can I do to help you? Or is it easier if we turn the lights off? You know, whatever that is, and that's always going to be about that couple, just even introducing the possibility of it going a different way and adding a different perspective can be absolutely life-changing for some people's sex lives. But it's not something that we... It's not a skill that we naturally have. It's not um, something we're naturally kind of primed to do or encouraged to do because we just think, oh, God, problem with sex, like, what does that mean? And I think one of the biggest challenges that people find with sexual problems is it's not just necessarily the problem itself, but it's the meaning that that problem plays in their life, the meaning that it plays in their relationship and the impact, because we tend to really try and overthink everything or work it out or solve it. And a lot of the time, people then get themselves in more of a muddle. Totally agree with that, yeah. I think we're all, yeah, you say we're not encouraged to talk about this sort of stuff. And I think, you know, in fact, we're act, you know, we're pretty, we're actively discouraged. It's like, you know, sex is something that doesn't get talked about enough. And, you know, particularly um, when it comes to erection issues, I, you know, I know if I had, well, I at least would feel like if I talked about the fact that I couldn't get it up, with the lads, I would be, you know, laughed at, or at least that's the feeling. So we kind of really want to get away from that feeling. Mm. I wonder if you had had that conversation, how many of the lads would have actually, you know, maybe not at the time, because in that kind of more public space, but I wonder if actually 
how many of them would have put their hands up and been like, God, yeah, that happens to me sometimes or that happened to me, you know, with my ex or that happened to me. Um, you know, I, I think that, I guess I wonder how much people shy away from those conversations and how often actually they'd met, be met with a completely different response. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and as Angus said, like, you know, we went and, and have you know, sort of spoken to all of our friends one-on-one about this. And, and of course, the, the reality is uh, people are very understanding and, you know, when it comes down to it, willing to share their experiences. And the reality is most of the lads have got the same issue going on and that's, and that's okay. Um, well, it's the kind of comfort of uh, saying it in front of a group of your mates. And if no one puts their hand up, then the stats tell us that they're lying. <laughs> so 30%, the, the number we go off is 30% of under 30s and 40% of under 40s will know what you're talking about. Um, but really, that's kind of just the amount of men who are willing to admit it. Like you say, I think um, during the course of uh, your sex life, this is it'll be quite unusual if you don't run into uh, problems getting up at some stage being a man. And I think that is such a kind of great place for us to finish because the thing is we can't expect everything to work perfectly 100% of the time always, you know, and we don't expect it in any other aspects of our lives, so why would we in our sex lives? Yeah, true story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just to kind of close this, sexual wellness session guys I would love to ask you what your key tip or takeaway message would be for sexual well-being sexual wellness so if you guys had a and you might have one each or you might have a kind of shared one or a mojo man one but what would be your kind of key tip for um, improving sexual wellness in your lives Uh, I think I would just say don't panic I I remember uh, for me it was blindly panicking and kind of uh, coming up with theories of what might be wrong with me and I'd read a new possible cause of erection issues and think, um, oh, that might be my problem and kind of reorientate my life around fixing that. Um, but yeah, just don't panic and and uh, kind of be brave enough to to reach out for, for professional help. That's, that's kind of what we're trying to do with Mojo Man is trying to connect people with professionals because... Um, you're not alone, you're not isolated, it's a common problem um, and there are ways of dealing with it. Yeah, I think for, for me it's communication um, and that can be in a partnership, we all know, you know, communication is key. Um, but, but also, you know, even if you're, you're dating or you're, you've met a new girl, it's also really important to communicate. If you can, if you can talk about you know, your issue or that you think you might, uh, you know, not be able to get it up, communicate that and you'll be really surprised by how kind of warmly that will be met um, if you can kind of just say it. Mm, I, I completely agree with that and it might kind of feel like the scariest thing to say, but so often if that starts the conversation, if things don't go perfectly, when you then kind of get into the bedroom together it won't cause such a huge problem because you were both aware that it might have been a possibility. And the reality is it's always a possibility, but it's just that, as you guys kind of spoke about earlier, the expectations might not be kind of aligned in that way. But guys, please tell everyone where they can find out more about Mojo Men. Yeah, thank you so much for chatting to us today, Kate. Um, We've absolutely loved working with you so far. 
Um, uh, if anyone wants to find out more about Mojo Men, we're at mojomen.com um, or uh, social media wise, we're, we're on Instagram at mojo.men. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sexual Wellness Sessions. If you'd like to join us for more conversations, you can click subscribe on either Apple or Spotify podcasts. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review.